want to talk about freedom of choice. I've lived longer than probably anyone in this room, including you, Donna. A <laughs> 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 lot longer than you. <laughs> I've lived longer. I've probably been in every season you're in or will be in or going to go in or are in or whatever. Anyway, I've been there. I've made the mistakes. I've made choices that I wish I could go back and redo and I keep thinking well if I could I'd probably not do it any better I'd probably make a wrong choice again somewhere along the line so I'm thankful where I'm at I'll stay here because <laughs> I still have plenty of choices to make I've been through the single stage I've been through the married stage I was even a child once <laughs> believe it or not uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh, been married and with children and grandparent and now great-grandparenting and and probably the final stage is not awfully far off which is all right with me I'm happy about that too as Nancy said last night I look forward to eternity but meantime I know God has things in store for me as long as we're living on this earth God has a purpose and as long as you live every day of your life you're making choices we have no option God gave us free will he didn't make us robots, so with every decision, I mean with every circumstance and every opportunity and every, I wish that it would either go out or stay on. <laughs> Sorry if I, I'm recording this. <laughs> it's the light. <laughs> Not a person. <laughs> Someone's going to be very confused by this recording. Anyway. <laughs> I will get on track eventually, but I forgot where I'm at now. <laughs> but you will make decisions, and you have choices with every, every situation you come into. In fact, you're making them probably moment by moment, and you don't even realize it, because we do. We, we, have to, we have heart responses to every circumstance we go through, and that's where, really, the decisions come from. Uh, every season has its unique opportunities. And unique challenges. I learned to embrace the challenges as opportunities and because I've seen what God has done through the challenges he's changed me he's used those as benchmarks in my life where I've learned him where I've learned lessons about him and his faithfulness where I've also learned lessons about myself they've been life-changing and I, I'm really thankful for them, the challenges. I don't want to repeat them, but then who does? But I would if it was the only way that I got to know God. And it is probably the only way we do get to know God most of the time is through the rough times where we're really dependent upon him. Those have taught me to make him my stronghold, the person I run into. He is my home. He is where I dwell. He, I have learned through the years that he's my only safe place. He's my only refuge, but he's also my only strength. I am not capable myself of living this life or even making the right decisions. I need him in every point of my life. And so these, these challenges you face and will face in your life, if you can learn to embrace them as from God and an opportunity for God to work, in your life. I don't think that 
any of us become dependent upon God, upon God when the times are good. We kind of float through life. It's fun. It's easy. It's, it's uh, uh, no need of God. But those are the times when we can really start drifting and God has to kind of, and he uses challenges to bring us back center sometimes on him because we can lose focus of God in the good times. Isn't that sad? You'd think you would be more thankful in the good times and be more rejoicing in him. I've learned more to do that throughout my life. But when I was younger, I kind of would get into a mode of, oh, I've got it going, I've got things going, I can do it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, run into a wall and have to make some decisions. Things that really affect our decisions is our personality. There's two things, really, our personality and our experiences. I'll talk about our experiences in a moment, but our personality is unique. No one is like you. When I was young, and I was <laughs> one time, <laughs> uh, when I was a child, I was very shy, very introverted. I could carry on a conversation myself very well, <laughs> but not with anyone else <laughs> except my mother. So I became a very insecure, introverted person from a very young age. And there were experiences and things people would say to me that make me even more that way, like, oh, she's the only blonde in the family. Where does she fit in? Mm -hmm. And I was. So I got to think, oh, I don't fit in. Oh, I must be adopted. Oh, I'm the black sheep. Mm -hmm. And all these things started shaping my personality even more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then as I got a little bit older and had to go to school, I'd fight my mom. I'd even, I'd say, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick, I can't go today. Or she'd, I'd, she'd get a call from school, Linda's sick today, and she'd have to come pick me up. Well, she got wise, <laughs> and so she'd start sending me down the street to my grandmother's when I was sick. Well, that was a place I didn't really care to go, and you, you'll find out a little bit later why. But anyway, my experiences were shaping my personality, but I had a basic personality of uh, sensitivity and insecurity. And when I would tell my mom at a young age, I want to marry a minister, I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> None whatsoever. So, of course, when I met John, hmm, and he's going to be a minister, hmm. And I knew before he did, way before we even dated, that he was going to be my husband. I started crying out to God I, in fear. I said, oh, God, you're going to have to change me. I can't meet people. I can't greet people. I can't even look people in the face and have a conversation. You've got to change me. <laughs> he did. Not to the full extent that I enjoy being up here in front of you, but <laughs> he did. <laughs> but God is so faithful because he knows our personality and he knows who he made us to be. He gave me traits of sensitivity because he wanted to use them for others. And so as I began to submit to God, he started changing my perspective. All of a sudden, it was about other people and not, not me anymore. Mm -hmm. And he just started helping me look outward, and that started changing my perspective of security because it was not about me anymore. 
It was about others that I was living for. So our weaknesses in our personalities or perceived weaknesses, he wants to change to become strengths. And he does that. He's faithful because he knows what he's called you to. He knows what he wants you to be. And he knows what he's shaping you into. And he wants to use the very things that you may think are weaknesses right now or have been weaknesses into your strengths and use them for good. There are people who are extroverted that I've run into in my life. I didn't especially want to be like them because they were abrasive. It was really all about them too, but in a different sort of way to get the attention. Uh, not sensitive to other people's feelings. But then I've seen those same people change, and that weakness became their strength because God modified it and changed their whole perspective of life through uh, his work in their life. And he, they started to portray Christ instead of themselves mm -hmm. to others. And that's what it's all about. Our choices uh, make a difference in our life. They shape us into what we are going to be. Your experiences will shape you too if you allow them. Some experiences are really good and other experiences are pretty painful and hurtful and difficult to go through and they change us. There's a favorite saying of mine, experiences will change you but it's your response that shapes you. So it's how we respond to those experiences God uh, uses them and how we allow <coughs> him to use them in our life to start shaping our lives because we become the sum of our choices. We become the sum of our decisions in life. That It shapes who we are in the future. And uh, I've, I've made many decisions that I, you know, kept me from being able to be all that God wanted me to be in a season of my life. And, and thankfully, he doesn't leave us there when we really realize where we're at and turn to him. And that's what he expects of us, is just to allow him to uh, develop our response, to help us to respond to our experiences in the way he sees them and the way he wants to. Like Joseph, for instance. Joseph could have been a very bitter man. He could have altered or detoured the plan of God for his life. Now, he knew at a young age, because he had dreams of what he was, God's plans were for him. And he could have become bitter at God because it wasn't working out the way those dreams were. <coughs> or he could have become bitter at his circumstances. Most of you probably know Joseph's life. His brothers were very uh, hateful of him because the dreams he unwisely shared with them where they were being uh, subservient to him. They were bowing down to him. And he was a younger brother. They didn't like that very well for some odd reason. And so they began to see him as boastful and, and uh, began to hate him and desired to kill him. But instead, they sold him into slavery. And we all know the story. He ended up in Potiphar's house. And then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape and or attempted rape and ended up in prison. He was there for 13 years and then got raised into the position God had given him in the dream where his brothers are bowing before him. And all of that, his story is for our benefit so we don't lose focus in the midst of our circumstances. When we don't think God's working at all, they seem to be out of control, 
we are not in a good place. And God, he never lost perspective in all that time because he could stand before his brothers at the end of it all when he's been raised into the place God had for him and, and so he could bless the nations and bless his family. He could say, you meant it for harm. You were really being mean to me. You really wanted to kill me, but God meant it for good. And that's the perspective, if we can keep it in our life. It's not about us. It's about what we're part of. It's God's big plan. He has a purpose for your life. He's going to turn it all for good. If we keep our focus on him, don't let ourselves become the center, and we get tunnel vision into only what we see and what we feel and what we want and what we expected God to do in the midst of this. He kept a perspective that was, great because all through he kept the right attitude and he was promoted in every place even during the rough times because of his attitude he made right choices and we all the time are making choices in every circumstance you go through you're going to make a choice and you're going to determine who's God and who's not and if God's going to be God or if you're going to be God and that's what Joseph did. And our responses will shape us in the future. Um, the most important choice you'll ever make in life is this one. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It sums up. Every, every, it's the greatest commandment and everything else, every choice you make, either rises or falls on this one choice of choosing God with all your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, <coughs> and a second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments, these two commandments, but for mainly the first one, even the second one relies on it. Because if we don't make God as our first choice in every circumstance, we're really choosing ourselves, And we're becoming God. Eve made that horrible mistake. All the other choices that we make from that point on then will go downhill. I've seen people continually choosing themselves and they become bitter. They become very hard to be around. They become very self-focused. All Everything in their life is about them. How it's affected them, how they feel, what's going on. Have you ever been with someone who that's all you realize that they're talking about? Very self-focused person. And that's where we can become if we're not choosing God mm -hmm. as the main focus of our life. Mm -hmm. um, the practical outworkings of loving God is really trusting him. My dad uh, gave me a scripture when I graduated from high school. He wrote it in my card. Uh, he gave me Proverbs 3, 5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I think Dad knew I really needed this scripture. <laughs> he was a very wise man. 
I can't say I've always adhered to it, but as I've grown older, I've understood it and adhered to it much more because I see the wisdom in it. When my children were young, I made decisions for them and their life based on how I thought it would be best for them at times, not always, many times. One in particular, and, I'm, and don't take this wrong, I'm not against Christian schooling, homeschooling, anything like that, okay? It just wasn't what God had for me at the time, but I didn't realize. I, I thought, we'll, put him, we'll have a Christian school. It'll serve a lot of purposes for our church, mainly for my children. It'll protect them. They'll be in good place. And that was my determination. I didn't ask God about it. I just thought, this is a wise mother. She's going to protect her kids. And we put them in the Christian school. And to my surprise, it ended up being probably one of the worst decisions I could have made for them. Our emotions are fickle. Our understanding is limited. Our ability to see the future, impossible. But there is someone who can and someone who knows, and someone who understands and knows everything, I think I would rely on that more now. See, if we could go back and change things, we would, but we probably wouldn't because we still have to process these things in every situation, don't we? So newest situations would arise, and I'd probably make errors also. But knowing that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He knows everybody. He knows your life from the beginning to the end. He knows you because he formed you. He made you. He created you for his purpose. Knowing that, there's only one wise decision to make, to choose to love him and get close to him and and uh, his heart and understanding. So I, I encourage you not to rely on your own understanding or your own emotions. Emotions are fickle. You can be up one minute, someone says something, <laughs> plummet to the bottom. Or something happens, you're out of control. Your emotions are haywire. So we can't depend on our emotions. They're fickle. They're a fickle God. If we're following them, we're going to be led astray. But if we rely on God, we're never going to be led astray. We may not be taking the path we thought we were going to be taking. Now, when I look back over my life, I, I wouldn't have dictated my path, but I see God's wisdom in it. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be doing what I am today if it wasn't for him. Every step of the way from the time I chose a mate which I could have easily chose the wrong one because I was dating someone else when I met John. And he was not a Christian. He was an alcoholic and other problems besides. And I didn't know all this, but I knew in a sense I didn't want to marry him, but I didn't have the power to get out of it. So I processed it with my dean at the college, as in a Christian college, because my dean mother told him <laughs> about my situation. So he helped me process. And in it, I was able to come to a choice, a decision. Yes, I want out of this. 
relationship. And if I hadn't made that choice, I wouldn't be with John. If I hadn't married John, I wouldn't be a minister's wife, which he wanted me to be. And then I wouldn't be where I am today. All through our life, we, I can see a consistent path. We set ourselves for church planting at one point. We knew we were going to be church planting somewhere, and we chose Fort Myers, Florida for our plant. Woo-wee! <laughs> and uh, not just because of where it was. We just knew the demographics. It was the fastest-growing area in the States, and so we were going to go there. We are going to plant a church there. God wouldn't let us out of our situation and wouldn't let us out of our situation and wouldn't let us out of our situation for eight and a half years. And so we sat there, and then one day, all of a sudden, John's driving through the lake area, and God says to him, plant here. I want a church here. The enemy has plans for this place, but I've got bigger plans. So that's why we went to the Lake of the Ozarks. Now, I would have never chosen that. Neither would have John. We wanted to go to Florida, or we thought we did. And then I, we would have never have met Terry Virgo. We would have never met the people we've met. We would never have been where we are today. We would never have been in St. Louis. You would not have been here. Uh, you know, the whole thing goes on. It doesn't. Your choices don't just affect you. They affect those around you. It's for your good and for those who love God and are called to his purpose. So all your choices in life have ramifications. They're going to carry you somewhere. You can either derail God's plans or you can go with God's plans. Now, you don't totally derail God's plans. He's going to get what he wants done anyway, and he may even get you there anyway like he did Jonah, but you don't want to go that way. It's not as much fun. So it's your choice. You make choices every day. You can be told to sit in the corner as a child and still be standing on the inside. Because our decisions are not externally made. They're internally made. There are external circumstances that can cause you to make a decision if you allow it or can affect your decisions and your choices. But actually, inside is where your decision is finally made. There can be two sisters in the same family. One reacts violently uh, vehemently to any suggestions out and she's outward about her choices and the other one processes them inwardly but does what you ask her to do but doesn't agree with it. That's the way we can be with God. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want that. He wants a wholehearted response to him. He wants us to love him so much with all of our heart with all of our being, that we're willing to follow him anywhere, do anything, go through anything like Joseph, and come out on top and not blame him for our circumstances, but love him and trust him through the midst of them. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what it is to love him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Now I, I knew at a young age as a minister's wife, we weren't into grace. I've been raised in legalism. God was an austere God. If you did something wrong, you're left behind. Mm -hmm. hmm. I come home from school, mom and dad be gone. I thought, oh, the rapture took place. I've been left behind. I go into a frenzy. <laughs> That's the way I saw God. And so God had to teach me who he was so I could trust him and so I could love him. 
And Grace, if there's anything in my life I go back and change, and you have such a privilege at a young age to know this, because I didn't come into it until later years, it's Grace. Grace is amazing. It's amazing grace. Mm -hmm. It is. It's unlimited. It's unconditional. It's unwarranted. You don't deserve it. But we get it because he loves us. And if I could change anything, my understanding through those years, I would have. But this is what I began to cry out to God. God, I know I'm supposed to love you. I read this commandment. I got to love you. So I'm going to love you. Does that mean I don't have a choice? No, I'm just going to love them. No, it means you make the choice. It may be a commandment, but you still have a right to choose, and that's why God gave you the choice, the ability to choose, the free will he gave you. So I said to him, okay, I don't want to, but I want to want to love you. I didn't want to love him because of the way I saw him. He was austere. He was a tough God. And I don't think I can love somebody like that. So I started crying that out to him. Pretty soon I had the want to. Okay, I want to love you. Please help me love you. And it started changing in my heart. And then one day I was sitting as a young minister's wife in a life group. And everybody around me was worshiping, saying, Oh, Abba, Father, you're so wonderful. Oh, Abba, I love you. And I thought to myself, Oh, God, I can't say that to you. Why can't I say that to you? It's because of the way you view me. You view me as austere. See, my dad was raised in a very austere home. That's why I didn't want to go to my grandma's house. No expressions of love. No, ex no, he never heard, I love you, in his whole life. Never had a kiss or a hug from his parents. It was just very austere. They gave him everything materially they could. They provided him with an education. They did all the exterior things except being able to express love. So therefore, my dad couldn't express love. Well, being raised in a legalistic environment with do's and don'ts, and a good work ethic, <laughs> it didn't work real well with me, being as sensitive as I was. So I viewed God as I did my father, as austere, unloving, uncaring. I used to say to my mother, Dad doesn't love me. Now, none of the other siblings, there were six of us, probably ever said that to Mom. She'd say, oh, yes, he does, he does, because she knew his heart. But my... It, my communication with him was, uh, Linda, go sweep the floor. Linda, do this. No, don't do it that way. Do it this way. But that's the way he was raised. And so he knew no other way to express himself. And so I view God that way. And God spoke to me in that moment. He says, it's because you see your dad that way. You view me as your father that way. And in that moment, I'm not kidding you, it was like, a flash, God showed me my dad in a new way. He showed me who he really was in his heart and how he had been raised. I didn't know this at that time. And it was like, oh, he did love me. 
he did love me, and I just had such love well up for my dad. Then all of a sudden, guess what? I had such love well up for my father. God changes us through our decisions, our responses. He starts shaping us into who he wants us to be. He gives us the ability to respond. He gives us the ability to love him. He empowers us by his life in us. We limit him. We don't allow him to do that many times. We rely on our emotions instead. We'd rather stay here than go through the pain of trying to get there. But believe me, it is so worth going through the pain to get to there, to freedom. And God has that for us. These choices of attitudes start shaping you and it affects your future. Um, let me see if I can find out where I'm at. I've been kind of running on my own <laughs> without my notes. Eve uh, had external pressure. You could say the devil made her, make, made her do it. No, he didn't make her do it. He was an external pressure. You're having external pressures in your life. You could say, well, I did it because they made me do it. No, you make the decision. She made the decision. Eve has to own the responsibility for her choice. She chose not to believe the goodness of God. She chose not to believe that God was for her, but he was against her, trying to keep something from her. She had the whole garden, harmony, beauty, everything she could want. No pain, no troubles. I'd take that. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> But, and even the lion lays down with the lamb. Ha, 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 that's amazing. And yet, she didn't believe God was for her. We have so much to look at to see that God is for us. We have his word that tells us who he really is and how much he loves us. We choose to believe who God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is diligently working on your behalf to show you how much he loves you. He is diligently desiring to reveal his love to you. He loves to express himself to his people. He wants you to know him. We choose whether we will trust him and love him. We choose whether we believe he is really who he says he is and a rewarder of those who seek him. We choose to believe that when he says, you draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. We choose to believe that. Another thing is, <coughs> the second commandment, excuse me, my lunch is having fun. <laughs> uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Now Ephesians 5.29 says, No one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does his church. And Christ laid down his life his church. So, we're constantly choosing self. Now, how do I know this? Have you ever been hurt? No one? Yeah, I have. Have you ever been angry? Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt disappointed? Mm -hmm. You're choosing yourself. You love yourself. We do. We naturally love ourselves. It's a natural response. We're supposed to love ourselves. It didn't say, don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. Just don't choose yourself. Choose to love your neighbor like yourself. Mm 
like you already love yourself, choose to do to them what you want them to do to you. Choose to prefer them above you as Christ chose you above his own son. Choose to lay down your life. Because if you lay it down, you'll gain it. If you choose to hang on to it, oh, it's my life, I have rights. They've hurt me. They offended me. They rejected me. Then you lose your life because you start shrinking into bitterness, unhappiness, misery, destruction, because the enemy comes to do that to us, to kill, steal, and to destroy the very life that God wants to give us. It's your response that matters. Needless to say, you're going to have opportunities every day of your life to choose these things. At a very young age, you've got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> we do, though. We make them whether we know it or not, whether we consciously are knowing it or not, because the basic decision you make will determine the other decisions. The basic determination you make, choice, of choosing God will determine how you respond to others. The basic response and choice of choosing yourself will determine how you treat others. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to us every moment, every situation, every day. When someone, when our husbands say something harsh to us or when a friend or a work person doesn't understand where we're at or they reject us or, or at school our, our peers don't respond to us or include us or whatever the situation you have choices every moment of every day to make mm -hmm. and you decide how you will respond whether you'll respond as hey that's okay because God like Nancy said God's going to turn it all for good because he loves me you have a decision to make we must believe in God and choose him and then we can choose our neighbor above ourselves how do we do this Every one of us has opportunities to exercise this forgiveness. Unforgiveness locks us in a prison like the unforgiving servant was locked in a prison. It's a prison of torture and it closes you off from everyone it usually, even like the unforgiving servant, includes your family in that prison. They got thrown in prison too. Because wherever you are, you're affecting others around you. If you're in a prison of misery, guess what? Nobody around you is going to be happy. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> That's what my dad, my husband always says. So <laughs> if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And it's true because we bring others into our little prison. And sometimes we do it through gossip. Sometimes we do it through slander. Sometimes we do it through many other means of betraying people and their way they treated us <laughs> or way we think they treated us. Uh, and so we include them in our little prison. We allow them to take up our offense also so they can join us. We love company, don't we? Misery does love company. <laughs> so anyway, forgiveness is important. No one has the power to hurt you. You give it to them. 
if you're choosing yourself. No one has the power to keep you in that prison. Only you give it that power by unforgiveness. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks your prison. Forgiveness is a key that will set you free. There was a time in my life when my family was very, went through really rough time, and horrible things were happening, very demonic things. And uh, it took me a while, but I decided I was going to make the choice to forgive. And I, I did. I, I worked. I did. I, God helped me to forgive everyone. But there was one person that every time I met him on the street, I wanted to walk the other way. And it was a small town, so you met people regularly. And I'd say, God, I choose to forgive him. And I don't know how many times I did that because those old feelings would rise up again when I'd see them. And I kept doing it. It took a whole year. And one day I met him on the street. I was free. I didn't want to walk the other way. I was totally free. Sometimes it takes time and persistent choice on your part to walk in forgiveness, because people don't change often. But you don't have to stay where you are. You have power to change because God has given you that ability through his ability to work forgiveness in you. My feelings were totally gone towards that man when I saw him. And I was so thankful I knew God had done the work because I kept choosing to do it, to let him. Bitterness grows and it locks you and all your relationships up. Uh, I'm going to skip a little here. So you choose to ask God to help you. Now, when I was a young uh, wife, because I was so introverted and so sensitive and so insecure and so immature, <laughs> all those great things, I used to put a lot of pressure on John to be what I needed him to be, like Nancy was talking about this morning. And so much of what has been shared this week by Nancy and, and even through the words that have come and the worship and everything, God's saying the same thing in different ways to us. So let's grab it. But anyway, I so appreciate Nancy's words. It was so good this morning. Um, what was I saying? I'm sorry. Yes, I thank you. Thank you. I need that. <laughs> I need the front row helper. <laughs> Yeah, I put pressure on John, and he would get to the point he was so frustrated because he didn't know how to please me. Everything he did didn't seem enough. And so I was pushing him further and further and further away. And finally, one day, I, I cried out to God, and I says, God, if this is all there is to marriage, it sucks. I don't want it. <laughs> but I wasn't going to get a divorce. That wasn't even in the picture, but I thought, I'm really not happy about this one. And so... God graciously gave me the tools, the books and stuff that helped me refocus. And when I did that, and it became about John instead of me, it changed my whole life, my whole perspective, but it also freed John 
because I had no longer put him in this box of expectations. Instead, I started concentrating on what I could be to him instead of what he could be to me. And when I did that, it freed him up, and he just, it was amazing. When we start looking at other people as not what they can be for us, but what we can be for them, and asking God's help to see what, what we need to see and be, he'll do it. He's faithful. And you know what it does? It d it'll do the same thing it did for John. It'll free them up to really be able to be your friend and to love you and respond to you the way that they would, you would like them to, really. And so I've many times asked God, help me to see them the way you want me to see them and to love them the way you want me to love them. And that takes wisdom. And God said he'd give it to us liberally. Just keep asking him for it. Ask for wisdom. He says, I'll give it to you. I'll just keep giving it to you. And so I, I would ask God, help me to see and this is what wisdom is. James 3, 13 through 18, this is what wisdom isn't first. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic, and uh, for their, where there's jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be every disorder and every evil practice. It releases when we choose ourselves. It doesn't just not have an effect. <laughs> it releases the demonic. It releases vile practices. It's evil. That's wisdom from below. The world says, choose yourself. Look out for yourself. Get to the top of the ladder, no matter how you can do it. But this is wisdom from above. It's first, it's love in action. I want you to remember this as I read it. It's love in action. Wisdom is not just, oh, shrewdness to get through the situation, to work your way through the, to the top. But wisdom is love in action. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's kind and gentle. It's open to reason, it's full of mercy, and therefore good fruits. It's impartial, and it's sincere. And it produces a harvest of righteousness in the sower who sows in peace. Well, I didn't read that exactly, but it's sown in peace by those who make peace, is how it's said. But this is the whole purpose of wisdom in your life is to become like Christ. His love, his eyes to see people the way he sees them. His ability to see into a situation because he knows everything. He knows the path this person has taken. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and the waitress is just mean? What can I get you? And, and after a while you think, well, she's not going to get a tip. Or you can think, well, what's going on in her life? She must be having a really rough time. Something must be happening to make her so unhappy. And then we start praying for them, and God gives us wisdom, and sometimes even a word to say that can help them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe an extra tip that shows her that, you know what, someone cares about you anyway. 
that's God. That's love in action. That's wisdom. That's seeing through God's eyes, not taking someone from the perspective you have. Because we only see the limited, how they're acting in the moment. We don't know what brought them to that place. God knows where they were. He knows what's happened to them. He made them. He's tracked their life from the beginning to the end because he loves them. And he wants us to love them. And he wants us to choose to love them. And the only way we can love them rightly is to see them with a different perspective than our emotions and our feelings and our eyes. So God wants us to make choices daily, wherever you're at, whatever situation you're in, to choose to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what the church will be then? The Bible says they'll know you're mine because of your love one for another. You're not going to be in a relationship without hurt. Relationships are the only thing that can hurt you. You can take away my money. I'll survive. It won't hurt me that much. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll want it. I'll, I'll be sad about it. You take away my relationships, and that hurts. And that's what we're made for, is relationships. That's why it's so important that we adhere to these first two commandments, because we are created for that very thing. You cannot be in a church relationship without having someone misunderstand you or you misunderstanding someone else or being hurt by someone or hurting someone else. I've hurt people I've not known I've hurt because they perceived something I said in a way that I didn't mean it. And then I've hurt people probably, I would say, knowingly. (laughs) That's not nice. (laughs) But yeah, and so we can't be in a relationship without hurting one or being hurt. And so we got to constantly make this choice. I am going to love, I'm going to lay down my life for this person regardless of how they feel about me, regardless of what they've done to me, (coughs) regardless of how it affects my outcome. Because they have no power to hurt you unless you give it to them by not loving them. And the way to not give them that power is by loving them and forgiving them immediately. I've told God over and over and over again, I don't want to grow old bitterly. I've seen people grow old that are bitter, hostile, angry people that are alone, (coughs) lonely. And I thought, God, please don't let me go there. Please. Mm -hmm. Because hurt will always turn to bitterness if it isn't dealt with. And I want to be like my grandmother. Fun, loving God, a good word for everyone. Everyone loved to be around her because she was just an awesome, loving woman. She was happy. She was full of grace for people. Until the day God took her home at the age of 91. I want to be like that. You have a choice every day of your life to make. You can end up like one or the other. It's up to you. And God gives us the power to be what he's called us to be. Choose wisely. Choose God. Let him keep transforming you and helping you respond in the way he would have you to. Forgiving and loving people is a willingness to constantly die to yourself, to what you feel, to what you want, to what you think should happen. 
even what you think God should have done or doesn't do. If God allowed, didn't allow wickedness in the world, he'd have to take away free choice from everyone. <coughs> but he wanted us to have freedom of choice so we would love him freely and not just be robots. You may be questioning the goodness of God and grasping to hold on to your life and God. If God doesn't take away your freedom to choose, but he wants you to choose him today and to believe in his goodness and his love for you. And he wants to reveal his love to you today too. Maybe you're struggling today with hurt or bitterness, maybe even some anger and pain and are locked in sadness and torment. So the key is forgive. That'll release you. Perhaps you don't think you have a choice that the decisions have been taken out of your hands. That's a lie. You're still responding. You are choosing. Whether it's external or internal choosing, you're still choosing on the inside, whether you're expressing it outwardly or not. You can be doing all the right things, but standing up on the inside. Whether you do or do not obey or not obey, love or not love, forgive or not forgive, treat others the way you want them to treat you or choose to be cruel, feel sorry for yourself or maybe play the victim card, that's up to you. But I hope you choose today God's way. Because of this message, I think God probably has some things he's spoken to you this morning, not just because it's me speaking, it's because it's universal message he's speaking this whole weekend to us. And he's hammering it home through several different venues, several different people. So allow God to do what he's wanting to do <coughs> so you can have the freedom to be his in everything, in every way, and in every choice you make. God bless you.